would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for this time that we have uh, in this way together. I thank you again for the technology and for all the people who make this possible. And, um, and we thank you most of all, God, for your word that, um, and for your promise that when we open your word that you are ready and willing to speak to us. And so, God, would you make us uh, ready and willing? Would you open our ears and our hearts and our minds so that we can hear what you might have to speak to us individually and as a community this morning? We pray these things in the name and the power of your risen Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, so we begin. We're reading from Mark chapter 1, verses 14 through 20. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me. Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he'd gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. All right, so this may be a very familiar passage or a familiar story for you. Uh, it's the calling of the first disciples. If you went to Sunday school as a kid, you definitely heard this story. Um, it's the calling of these fishermen to come and follow Jesus. And over the years, we have talked a lot <laughs> about the idea of following Jesus, right? Our mission statement, and you should say it with me at home. I'm not even going to put it up on the screen because we should all know it because we say it so often. Our mission statement at, here at First Pres is to honor God by helping people become more fully devoted followers of Jesus. So over the years, I myself have preached a couple of different sermons right here in this place on this topic, and one even on this very story. Uh, it was from a diff different gospel, but it was the same story. And so not going to lie, I did have a moment of um, thinking perhaps I could just recycle that sermon because I hardly remember it, so I doubt you do. Um, you know, and hey, reduce, reuse, recycle, that's all in, right? Um, but you know, I do believe, I know that God has something new to say to us through this passage today because that is the great mystery of God's word, isn't it? That he speaks over centuries he speaks to different cultures. He speaks to different circumstances. And he says new things through that same text to us, if we will just listen. And so today I thought, as here we are in the midst of this, I'm so tired of this phrase, unprecedented time. Um, but it's drastically changed the way that we live and even the ways that we think. It's impacted the way we relate to our world and to one another. And so... I believe this passage could very well have something brand new to say to us this morning. And here is what it said to me as I studied it over the last couple of weeks. What it said to me is that here is an invitation. Here are several invitations for you. And that was kind of exciting for me because, you know, one of the things I have really, really missed during this pandemic is invitations to real life events. 
right? I, I'm so sad that we don't get invitations to dinner parties or weddings or baby showers or sporting events or birthday celebrations or it just goes on and on and on, doesn't it? All the things that we are no longer getting invitations for. And so, you know, we may not get those invitations for a while, but I think the invitations in today's passage are even more exciting than those invitations. They're certainly more exciting than the virtual invitations we're getting, right? So, although those are, those are helpful. Um, so before we begin, I'm going to ask you to do something. Going out on a limb a little bit, because I want to ask you to consider a question. I want to ask you to consider what is your relationship with Jesus like right now, today? And I want you to actually try to write that down, to put it into words, you know, open up notes on your phone and write it down or take take a piece of paper and a pencil like the old days and write it down and I'm you know there's no wrong answers here there's no judgment this is only for you you can be completely honest gosh you're in the privacy of your own home there's no way you know somebody in the pew behind you is looking looking uh, on your answer um, but I'd love for you to write maybe it's just a word hopefully it's a little bit more than that hopefully it's a sentence um, you might want to use a metaphor if you're like a super creative person um, you know you could write something like uh, Jesus is like my uber driver he gets me where I need to go so um, and you may not be in a place uh, well you may be in a place where your relationship with Jesus is amazing uh, you know where you've just never felt closer to Jesus and you know, maybe then you would write, well, Jesus isn't really like my Uber driver. He's more like my best friend who picks me up every day and we go on an adventure together. Or it may be that you're not even sure you're in, you have any relationship with Jesus. You know, you're kind of like, you know, I'll just drive myself. Thanks very much, right? Um, likely it is somewhere between those two extremes, right? And likely you have a much better metaphor than that. <laughs> so, um, but I just want you to, try to write something down because when we write it down when we put it into words it does something for us so again no judgment don't judge yourself don't think anybody else is going to judge you just be honest and answer that question what is your relationship with Jesus like right now today so I can't see you I'm just going to have to trust that you're following the directions so I hope you are <laughs> And I hope that you're ready to move on because we're going to move on. You can just set that aside for right now. All right, so let's take that closer look at the passage. So the first thing that we can notice here is that Mark is anchoring this scene in time and space. It's a real event that happened in a particular place at a particular time. It begins after John was put in prison. Remember, this is, kinda, this is really the beginning this is the end of the beginning, right? It's the end of all that preparation. John, the one who had been preparing everyone for the coming of the Messiah, has been put in prison. His part is done. A new chapter in this story is beginning. Next we see Jesus went into Galilee. Again, a particular place, a real place. 
And there are reasons for that, this whole idea that he started in Galilee, but I'm not going to go into that. That's a whole other sermon. You have to, we have to suffice it to say that starting his ministry in Galilee was not just a random act. It had significance. It was intentional. And the readers of this gospel in the first century would have uh, seen this as a very significant thing. So, but I, I'm not going to savor that bite. I'm just going to move on, okay? So uh, see, there's so much packed in, but we can't savor every single bite. All right. Um, so Mark makes it very, then Mark makes a very clear statement uh, about what Jesus's message is and what his mission was, right? Again, you notice he just doesn't waste any words. He just jumps right in. Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. And what was the good news? Mark jumps right back in and tells us the time has come the kingdom of God is near which is a simple but incredibly profound statement for Jesus to make see remember the Jews they had been waiting hundreds of years for the kingdom of God to come and though it was coming in a way that they did not expect it at all here's Jesus saying the kingdom of God is near it was an amazing, amazing pronouncement. And again, there's a whole other sermon on that phrase, the kingdom of God. And actually, Shannon preached about the kingdom of God for several weeks earlier this year. And if you missed those sermons, I would encourage you to go back and listen to them because there is so much packed into that phrase, the kingdom of God. But in a nutshell, what we can say, it is, what it is, is the rule and reign of God. And it was finally, finally arriving. And what was to be the response? Again, Mark just goes right to the point here. He, no wasting of words. He says, the, re, the right response is repent and believe. Okay. Well, that's pretty simple, right? Repent and believe. But of course, we have to take a closer look at that. We have to savor that for a few minutes, right? So first, the first thing to notice about that is that this is a twofold instruction. Repent and believe. We often land on that word repent. And Shannon talked about that word uh, just a couple weeks ago when he was looking at John calling people to repentance in preparation for the coming of the Messiah. And you know, it is a word that we don't necessarily have great connotations about, right? If we're honest. Um, we sometimes we have kind of a picture of somebody, an angry person on a street corner with a sign, repent, repent. Uh, but the word really just means to turn around, to go the other way. And we often think of it in terms of turning away from sin. And that is true. But, you know, it could be just turning away from things in our lives, whatever they are, that distract us from the realization that the kingdom of God has come near. Things that might just be sucking up our valuable time and energy. And so that's something to consider as we see this word repent. But what we don't want to miss here is that Jesus couples this word repent with the word believe. See, it's not just a turning away. There's an action to take after turning away. He wants us to repent and then believe. He's not just calling us away from something, but he's calling us towards something. And it's something that's really good and really exciting. Pastor and theologian Lloyd Ogilvie describes it this way. I love this. He says, 
It's moving with full speed and reckless abandon in a new direction. All right, so what is Jesus calling us to believe? To move forward toward with full speed and reckless abandon. It's the good news. The good news is that in Christ we are forgiven. We are restored to relationship with God, our Father who loves us and who cares for us and who promises, li promises us life with him forever. And that includes now. See, forever isn't just something off in the distance, but it's something that can be true for us now in this life. It's something that he promises us now, this good news, this grace, this with him. We are offered an incredible future with no more pain and no more suffering one day. But we are also offered hope and healing and abundant life in him today, right here, right now, in the midst of this broken world we live in. The kingdom of God, the arrival of Jesus on the scene, he has come near. The rule and reign of God has begun here on earth. And we are invited to move toward it with full speed and reckless abandon. All right, so obviously that is our first invitation, right? And what I'd like you to do now is consider what you wrote down earlier. I hope you wrote something down. <laughs> And consider this invitation to repent and believe the good news. And it doesn't matter where you are in your relationship with God because this is always, always a relevant question. Because there are always areas of our lives where Jesus wants to us to have a deeper relationship with him. Where he invites us to draw closer to him. There are always little, sometimes big, areas that we've tried to keep sealed off from him. And his invitation is always there for us to have a deeper relationship, to believe. All right, let's get practical for a minute, because um, I like to be practical. So should you choose to accept this invitation, what then should you do? Well, first, obviously, you need to consider if there's something you need to turn away from. And again, this may not be a terrible sin. You are all probably basically very good people. But it might be an attitude of complacency. Or it might just be that you realize you've been consumed by the ordinariness of life. That's certainly been a trap lately for me. Maybe you've just been too distractive, distracted to actively consider your relationship with Jesus. Or maybe it is a habit or a practice that you know is not a good choice, <laughs> as they say, and you need to turn away from that to give that up. So I encourage you today, just in the privacy of your own home, to have the courage to be honest. No one's gonna know except God unless you choose to tell someone, and that's a good thing to do, by the way. But you can just honestly consider right now if there's anything that you need to turn away from that's keeping you from experiencing the grace and the mercy that is offered to you through Jesus. 
And here's a secret. He's willing to help you even in that. He, you can ask him to show you how to do that. Ask him to give you the courage and the strength. First, just to notice and acknowledge whatever it is that you need to turn away from. And then you can ask for more courage and more strength to turn away from that and turn toward him. And then believe. Dare to consider this invitation to move with full speed and reckless abandon toward Jesus. Or just dare to take a small tentative step if you're not ready for full speed and reckless abandon, turn but take a step of belief. Even the smallest step, God will recognize that. And you can receive with trust his forgiveness, his mercy, and his grace that are offered to you through Jesus. Through Jesus' saving death on the cross, this is all available to you today, right now, in bigger and bigger and bigger ways. I heard a story recently. Actually, coincidentally, I heard this story this week. <laughs> uh, it's a story about an older dog. I love dogs, so of course I love the story. But uh, I also thought it was a really relevant story for what we're talking about. Because it was a true story about an owner who has an older dog, and he takes this dog on the same walk every day, just around the block, because, you know, it's an older dog. And one day, the owner just felt like the dog was doing really good, and um, so instead of turning to go around the block, the owner decided, let's cross the street. Let's go a different way, just a little bit longer, a little different. But the dog had already automatically turned the corner to go the way he was used to. He resisted because that habit was just so ingrained to go that way. And so the owner tugged a little bit and the owner encouraged with words. And eventually, because the dog trusted the owner, the dog came along. He turned away from that familiar route and he went in this new direction. And in doing so, that dog, that old dog, got to experience the joy of all kinds of new sights and smells, all sorts of new things to explore. Making that turn was the beginning of a great adventure for that little old dog. You know, it can be hard to turn away from what we might have become comfortable with. To trust that one who is leading you to turn away from the familiar, whether those are bad things or just kind of mundane things that you're used to, to go in a new direction, whatever that looks like. But that really is where the adventure begins, which leads us, wonderfully, into the second part of our scripture passage for this morning. So just to refresh your memory, you know, in case you did go to the kitchen to get a snack, something uh, after you saw that tantalizing picture. Um, so remember, there were two parallel stories that we read through real quickly. You can picture this scene. Jesus is walking beside the Sea of Galilee, right? He sees Simon and Andrew, who are brothers. They're casting their net into the lake because they're fishermen. They're at work. And Jesus stops and says to them, come, follow me. And at once, 
they left their nets and did so. And then shortly thereafter, Jesus sees James and his brother John in a boat, and we're told that they're preparing their nets because they too are fishermen. And without delay, Jesus calls them, and they leave their father and the other people that they're working with, and they follow Jesus. And so this is a pretty straightforward story, pair, a pair of stories, um, but there is some really surprising stuff going on here. So we're going to look at it really quickly. So first of all, we, un- we have to understand how shocking this scene actually was. You have to understand the culture of the day. And I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about this because I know many of you have heard this before. Uh, many of you have possibly heard it from me. So I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but I do want to mention it because it highlights a couple of things that are really, really important to understand. So Jesus was a rabbi. He was a teacher. And in that time, it was customary for boys who had finished and excelled in their religious education uh, to try to find a rabbi who they could study, who they could follow. The idea was that um, they would seek out uh, a rabbi that they could become a student of. And so they would go to a rabbi and ask, could I be your student to a particular rabbi and uh, wanting to learn from them. And then the rabbi would evaluate their potential. (laughs) And then he would accept or reject them. If they were rejected, they went back to working in whatever business their family had. If he accepted them, they could then follow this rabbi. And they would basically just shadow the rabbi. They would learn everything they could by listening to him, studying his actions. And the goal was for this student to follow so closely that they would begin to think and act just like the rabbi. And so there's a couple things to note here. First of all, Jesus turned the whole system upside down, right? So instead of a student inquiring of him, asking permission to follow, the, the rabbi invited a student to follow. This was unheard of. It was so, so radical. I just can't stress it enough. And then secondly, the people that Jesus invited, these were washouts of the religious system. You know, they were not people that were at the top of their class. That's why they had to go back to their parents' business, right? Their father's fishing business. Uh, they were not the best and the brightest, at least in the way society viewed them. So this is just crazy what's transpired here, according to the cultural standards of the day. But there are a couple of other surprising things to note here, too. So first of all, the boys who usually studied under a rabbi were doing so in order to get a deep intellectual understanding of the law. They really were trying to learn the scriptures, to understand the theology, to really perfect their own theology, what they believed, what it said. But that was not all that Jesus was calling these guys to. Because what does he say to Simon and Andrew after he says, follow me? He tells them he's going to send them out to be fishers of people. What we see is that they're not being called to some intellectual pursuit. They're calling to be participants in what Jesus is doing. You see this huge difference? Again, this is a radical departure from the norm of the day. They're being invited into something far more significant than hauling these squirming fish, right, out of the lake. (laughs) And we're going to talk in a few minutes just about exactly what they were being called to, invited into. But first, I want you to notice something else that's incredibly important, because there's two words here that are really, really significant. Jesus says, I will send you. 
Other translation says, I will make you. But let's notice that. Jesus says, I will. See, it's Jesus who's going to do all the work here. It's not up to these fishermen to make themselves into fishers of men. Jesus says, come, follow me, and this is what I will do for you. Which again, is sort of the opposite of how things work even in our culture today, right? People are chosen for jobs based on what they have to offer, right? What they're really good at, what their expertise is. If they're really good, then they're chosen. But again, Jesus turns this whole thing upside down and he takes the responsibility. He's going to be the one who's doing the making, the sending, the equipping. No prior experience required for this job. All right, so obviously the second invitation in the pas this passage today offers us uh, is right here, right? I hope you've already connected those dots. Um, we too have been given an invitation, right, to follow Jesus. And again, it's not based on how worthy we might be, even if we're total washouts. It doesn't have anything to do with that. And the call to follow Jesus is not a call to be a part of some sort of an intellectual pursuit, just to learn about him. It's not just to study the things that he did or he said. It's not even just about beginning to act in the ways that he did. Though that is definitely important, and we want to learn from and model Jesus' love more and more and more, and that should happen as we become more fully devoted followers of Jesus, as we study his life and his word, but that's just not all there is. See, we have to understand that this was an invitation to these fishermen and to us, not just to observe Jesus as he went about his business here on earth, but to participate in it. Jesus was inviting these seemingly random fishermen to become inviters themselves, to fish for men, to be a part of bringing others into the kingdom of God, to be a part of something that would bring great purpose and significance to their lives. So as many of you know, uh, for, here at First Pres, we have some ministry partners. We have two amazing ministry partners in India that, who are working in northern India, and uh, we support them prayerfully, financially, and amazing things are happening. The gospel is spreading like wildfire in northern India. And several of us have actually had an opportunity to go there and to see how that how God is moving in these ways, and it's astounding, it's super inspiring. And just this week, again, another story I heard just happenstance this week, um, I heard about an initiative that one of these partners has had over the last three months, uh, July, August, September. So it's not quite done, but it's almost done. And this initiative was to hold trainings for new believers there in northern India to teach them how to start and run a house church. Okay, so these are people who have just come to faith, and now they're they have been invited to these little seminars on how to start and run a house church. And so these are people who have just made this choice to repent and believe. And to date, not, September's not even done, but to date, in the last three months, about 5,500 
new believers have gone through this training. And that's not even the significant part of the story. Over 3,000 new house churches have been started in northern India. It's, it's amazing. It's astounding. And you know, um, I have had the honor and the privilege of visiting some of these house churches, house churches like these in, when I visited India. And let me tell you, these are exciting, exciting places to be. You can feel the power of God there. You see how lives have been drastically changed, how the blind have been made to see, how people have been healed in so many ways, how sorrow has turned to joy for so many people. These are places where you really experience the kingdom of God. These new believers in India are definitely moving with full speed and reckless abandon in a new direction. They are being made by Jesus into being fishers of men, right? It's exhilarating to me just to think about. It's inspiring to me. Because suddenly their lives about, are about so much more than they ever could have dreamed. Don't you want that? Well, this morning, I'm going to invite you for the first time, or maybe it's for the hundredth time, <laughs> to consider uh, the invitations in today's scripture. The invitation first to repent and believe. The invitation to follow Jesus. And the invitation to be sent out by him. And you know, I don't know what that might look like for you. But I encourage you to just look back at that thing that you wrote at the beginning of our time together and to just maybe ask, do I want more? Because no matter what you wrote, there can always be more. And if you even have an inkling that there could be more to this relationship with Jesus, that he might be calling you today to something more, something deeper, something more significant, then I just invite you to pursue that. And how do you do that? Just begin by praying. You know, really commit to asking God for direction. And then listen to him to speak to you. Who knows what stories you'll hear this week. And then, you know, talk with someone else. Talk with a friend about these ideas. You know, I love that Jesus called these guys in pairs. He called them two by two, right? We're not meant to go this road alone. We're meant to journey with others. And so get some support and some encouragement. Talk with somebody about this. And if you need some help, if you need some direction or some ideas about how you can pursue a deeper relationship with Christ, I know that Ann Shing, our elder for discipleship, would love to talk to you, as would any of the elders or Shannon. I'd be willing to talk to you. <laughs> you could ask Ann to help you find a mentor, someone who in our church family who's maybe just a little bit farther along the road than you, who can help you along on your journey. Or join a life group or a class. There's so many great things going on. The invitations today in this passage are for you. The pleasure of your company is requested. And I just invite you 
this morning to consider your response. Will you pray with me? Father, God, you are sovereign and you are good. You are King of kings and Lord of lords. And it is astounding to see that you invite us in to your kingdom. And that as you do so, you invite us to invite others. Father, I pray that you would speak to us this week, this month, this year, as individuals and as a community, that you would allow us to be a participants in all that you are doing here on earth, in bringing your kingdom to bear in this place. We pray these things in the name of your Son. Jesus Christ. Amen.